Welcome, welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's returning guest, that's right, returning guest, is Katie Beecher, who is on the episode August 3rd, 2022. And she joined us talking about bulimia, depression, Lyme disease, uh, and how to heal from within. She has a new book. Uh, Heal from Within, a guidebook to intuitive wellness. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. Or welcome Thank you very back. much. Yeah, great to be back. Thank you. Um, so since you've been on last, August 2022, what's been your biggest challenge since then? Oh, well, um, I think, you know, it kind of continues to be a theme. And I think a lot of people deal with this. It's like, so you're going on with your life, you're being a productive citizen, you know, you have a business doing whatever. And I think one of the most challenging things is know, knowing like when to step in and kind of take control of things in your life. And then when to step back and say, okay, spirit or whatever, you know, I've been pushing for this, it's not really working, or I've been pushing for this and it's making me completely insane. Um, and kind of, kind of being like, all right, let's see what happens and let's see how I can respond to it instead of having like being a control freak. Yeah, because we can either overstep our bounds, right? Where we are doing too much and micromanaging people, but then we could also be too liaise, what was it, liaise fair, where we're kind of yeah. hands off and too far removed to really know what's going on. And then there feels like there's no direction. Definitely. And I think everyone's experienced times when they're like, I really want this to happen, or I really believe this is supposed to, you know, happen, or I'm supposed to be with this person, they're my soulmate or whatever. And so you keep pushing, and then things don't work out the way you want. And at some point, you have to be like, is it because things are better on the horizon? Maybe this wasn't supposed to happen. Maybe it's supposed to go in a different direction, or maybe, haha, I should have patience, you know, those kind of things. So it can be a lot of challenge. And even though I make my living as an intuitive, and I really do trust like my guides and spirit, I think there's, again, times for everyone when we feel like, is anyone listening? Is there anyone out there? Does anyone really care? You know, especially if you are feeling like you may not want to be here anymore. You know, yeah. Who do you talk to, Katie? You, you know, I, I'm. I was reading uh, Abraham Lincoln's book, Team of Rivals. Uh, Michelle Obama has her uh, table of girlfriends. There's red tape. Like you know, the people have like their people that they go to, their mentors. Uh, it could be their parents, it could be friends, uh, colleagues. Do you have? a group of people that you talk to as a group or individually? Um, it's more individually. Um, I'm fortunate in that my husband is, you know, my, my best friend and one of the most supportive people I've ever had in my life. And then I have two adult daughters um, who are also, you know, like my best friends. We're all incredibly close. So sometimes there is the input on the family group chat, you know, um, and then I have a few friends that I trust and I talk to, and, um, I'm also fortunate in that 
I think I talked last time about doing you know, my pole dancing community and the pole sport. Um, and so when I moved to Jacksonville, that's how I met a lot of my friends here. I wouldn't have met them otherwise. So you met a lot of friends through your hobby of, of pole dancing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a healing uh, thing, right? Because I think a lot of times when we think about needing therapy or group therapy, we think it has to be um, like this mental health type of group therapy, but a book club or pole dancing or, you know, I have a friend, he uh, was in a 12-step program for AA, but, you know, he said that joining a motorcycle uh, club was very healing and uh, gave him the su- part of the support that he needed also. It's so true. And, and I work with a lot of people who, whether from being sick or having, you know, family issues or whatever it may be, um, they feel very isolated and they don't feel like they have friends or they don't feel like they have people they can talk to that they relate to, you know, or who care. And so the tendency is to kind of be like, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to not reach out. And I really encourage people to do things that they like or try things that they've never tried before, or just, you know, you just really don't know. Um, so if, you know, as a kind of side effect, you meet even one new friend or somebody you can go have coffee with, like, how cool is that? I love that you call it a side effect, right? The side effect of trying something new uh, because, you know, I, I'm from a school of, I, I know I don't like that. I'm not going to try that. But the truth is, is that even if you've done something before, you didn't enjoy it, there may have been an aspect of it you did enjoy. And there will definitely be an aspect of it, of doing it again, that won't play out the same. Meaning, you may not meet the same people. It may not have the same structure. Uh, you, you know, you might have a different perspective because of the time between the first time and last time. There's so many unknowns that go into doing something. And we don't have to like everything that we try. It's just about getting out and trying something to kind of expand our experience and perspective. Yeah, and in fact, the first time I tried, you know, pole dancing, um, I took three classes. I'm like, this is too freaking hard. <laughs> I can't do it, you know? And I didn't go back until like five years later when my daughter started taking it. And I thought there were aspects of it I really like, and I'm going to give it another try. And I'm so glad, like, I wish I had continued it, you know, when I first started, but I guess I just wasn't ready. So, you know, absolutely. It's really good to revisit things. What was it about pole dancing that you didn't enjoy initially? It was so hard. It's a really, really hard sport, right? And it's, I did gymnastics when I was younger. So I was looking for something that gave me that same joy. You know, I didn't want to go to the gym and be like, because when I thought about going to the gym, it was weight related. Like, oh, I have to go because I'm fat or because I want to lose weight or because I have to stay a certain weight or whatever. So there was like this kind of forced connotation to it, if you will, even though I liked the activity. So I was looking for something fun. And then when I started pull, I'm like, I did not realize, you know, how much strength you need to have to do this. And I didn't give myself any time to work into it. So now I know when you start, you can't do anything. Like, it's okay that you can't climb the pole yet, or it's okay that you can't do some fancy trick, you know, because you're 
you're building that strength and the the skill and and all that. And I I really didn't give myself time to get used to it. I had no, zero patience with myself, basically. Yeah how how long do you how many sessions do you think it took you before you start to feel strong or capable? And not where you felt like oh I you know I can be I could make start making money at this. But where you were just like it, it like you're not worried about, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> falling off the pole. <laughs> Still don't make money at it, by the way. <laughs> it's a sport, Leo. Um, but um, I mean, you people I, make money playing sports. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine. I, I'll give that to you. Okay, I'll, fine. Um, but I think like, I didn't know that you start off with a group of people who can't do squat. So that was a good thing. You start off, you know, not needing a whole lot of strength. And so I eased into it the second time and didn't have these super high expectations myself. And the studio was also a really good studio in that they grouped you with beginners, you know? Um, so I would say, there were probably, before I actually felt strong, I mean, probably a good 10 classes, but even then I was, you're always building strength. And even like at the level I'm at now, you're always building more strength and flexibility and just, you know, the ability to turn upside down and know which way the pole is fitting, things like that. So it's always, that's one of the things I love about it is that it's always challenging. Um, and there's always things you can do. And there may be things somebody who's been coming for, eight years can't do because they don't have the same flexibility. So everybody could be individual. Yeah. I, I've even heard that pole dancing can help relieve stress. Have you found oh. that? Oh my God. <laughs> my husband's like, you know, if I didn't go to a class for a couple of days, so I go probably six to eight hours a week. I go a lot. And if I've missed a few days, I tend to get a little anxious sometimes and my husband's like, when is your next class? <laughs> so, hell yeah, that is my mental health, for sure. When you say anxious, like, what does that look like? Are you, like, chewing on a furniture? Are you doing zoomies in a living room? What does your anxiety look like? How, how, what, what's, what physical signals are uh, there, behavioral cues, that let you know? Well, certainly, I don't sleep as well. I'm not the world's best sleeper anyway. So I tend to have more problems falling asleep, don't sleep as soundly. Um tend to not be as patient with my husband and myself. Um, little, like little things like feeling overwhelmed when logically, you know, I've, I've got my act together. Um, so it's kind of little things and also just, you know, some loss of self-confidence and kind of like a lot of racing thoughts sometimes and everything coming into you at once and not being able to process things. Yeah, I've definitely heard the uh, uh, the boosting of self-esteem because you talked about that loss of self-confidence. I, I feel like when you feel stronger in your body, because we, we, we know that you talked about bulimia, that um, I would imagine that pole dancing like would boost your self-esteem and your body image. It does, which is kind of, in a way counterintuitive how it, because for most of my life, 
no matter what I weighed, I didn't really feel confident being in a bathing suit, for example, you know, even at a beach where you're supposed to be in a bathing suit. And when I started doing pole, and people think that you're just like up there practically naked because, you know, you're trying to get attention, but reality is you need skin to stick to the pole. So that's why you need to be almost naked. And um, it's basically a bikini that you need to wear. So because I loved it so much and I wanted the challenge and I looked forward to every class, I, I wasn't so self-conscious about, you know, whatever part of my body I didn't like that day or whatever. And I still don't have a perfect body, but it's kind of like everybody's shaped differently and everybody there is a different age and shape and size. And it was kind of like, well, screw it. I'm just going to do this because I love it and not be so self-conscious. Yeah. Being in a, in a room where you see this diversity of bodies, I mean, it also just, like you said, allows you to accept yourself and, and however your body is operating. But also it allows you to see that no matter what your body looks like, it can be functional and have value and have purpose and be useful versus For I sure. have to look a certain way in order to be strong. It's like you can be strong and look any kind of way. Absolutely. And even, you know, like with pull, like I have always built muscle pretty easily. So I've had a pretty build. Um, and then there's people who are equally strong, if not more so, who have very slim builds. So you can't really judge by just the outside. Um, and it, it does like, it does just really help you to accept yourself and others. And I think if we lived in a world that was more loving and understanding and tolerant of those different than us everyone's different but we act like we're supposed to be the same um i think the world would be a much better place yeah because i would imagine because you have uh, so many people from different backgrounds that the, the community that you're building you're meeting people who are wealthy and impoverished and, and moms and single people and, and like it's just, it's just a, a wealth of uh dynamic backgrounds are you are you finding that you're you're making like new and close friends as a result absolutely and i'm i like to joke that i'm kind of elderly compared to most of the people who go um because i'm 58 and um i actually am pretty much the oldest like you you go to class by levels so i'm at the most the highest level of our our cool people kind of so i'm the oldest one a lot of people, there's some people like the owners just turned 50 and then there's some people in 40s and a lot of like 30s and even some 20s, but it doesn't matter. And no one cares how old I am. And we socialize together. I just went to a bachelorette a couple of weekends ago, you know, and nobody cared how old anybody was. And I prefer to be around younger people because I just like the energy and I think it helps keep me young. And so, and everybody like can learn from each other, which is super cool. So yeah, that's one, been one of the best things about it. Yeah, what do you what do you find that the, the topic of conversation usually stares towards? Oh my god, it's just like it's like normal people who don't do polls. <laughs> We're normal humans. No, I mean it's it's literally like you know there are poll discussions certainly you know about wanting to be able to do this trick or like right now we're um, getting ready to put on a performance showcase for our studio. So there's that kind of stuff, but it's usually like relationships and kids and pets and clothes and just normal 
kinds of things. Well, I, I was asking because, you know, when I think about, yeah, you know, I played college football and, and all the different sports that I played. It, it's so fascinating how most of the conversations are initially you know, about the sport or the thing that you're doing. Right. But it, eventually, it, it really, we always end up talking about relationships. Oh my it, it's God, so, so fascinating. True. Yep. Yeah. No, it's so true. So true. What What would you say seems to be the biggest challenge people are having in their relationships? Um, or what do you find to be the common thread when they're talking about relationships? Yeah, I, I have to say that the people in our, our poll group are really fortunate. They have pretty decent relationships. Um, and they have people in their lives who support them. Um, and so some of it's like, you know, finances, for example, um, even though we're in Florida, which is not characteristically, you know, an expensive state to live in, there's finances are a thing. Um, finding time for each other, because a lot of us are at the studio a lot. Um, and communication, um, you know, the, I guess the thing, sometimes even just with guys and girls is there's things that maybe guys understand and girls understand and just kind of figuring out how to express your feelings and thoughts and, um, you know, but it's, it's a lot of um, those kind of things dealing with in-laws, um, you know, that kind of thing. So probably normal stuff. Um, and I don't know, it might be a little bit of a unique group in that the people who do pull are pretty empowered. Um, you know, there's, there's been times when somebody or another has said, well, I can't go because, you know, my partner won't let me anymore or something like that. Or they don't like how much time I'm spending here or things like that. So we're not a shy group. Um, you know, we're not people who are just like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'll just do what somebody else wants me to do. Um, and I think we, we really boost each other up. And the fact that I'm just older and have been through more stuff and do what I do, you know, a lot of people have said that it's inspiring to talk to me because I can help them not care so much about what other people think and stuff like that. So. Yeah, that's beautiful to hear, you know, that having a support group finances, you're right. It's, it's all things we're all in-laws, especially with the holidays, uh, being around the corner. I can, I can imagine struggling with that. The, uh, the learning curve for pole dancing seems like it would be immense. Like, are there injuries, muscular imbalances, like are, are your, are your shoulders, like what, what aches usually? Yes. So a lot of our pole group um, are people who were um, college gymnasts. So very, you know, the highest level of gymnast you could get to. Um, and those people tend to be attracted to pole as an adult, which is really neat. So, um, so that's, they come kind of already having the body awareness and the strength and those kind of skills that you need to turn upside down and spin in weird ways, for example, you know. Um, but shoulders are a very common point of injury because it's like anything else. If you're not taught pop, proper form, you know, even weightlifting, if you're not taught proper form, body alignment, 
Um, if you don't listen to your body in terms of when you need to rest, you know, when you've been pushing it too hard or trying to do a, a trick before you're physically ready to do it or have the experience to do it, you know, you're going to get injured. And um, I have something called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which not like a patient or anything. I don't like being like that, but um, it's a connective tissue disorder. And it's, it's a lot more common than people think. And so the short version is I'm very, very flexible, which can be wonderful because I can do a split three ways and I'm 58 years old. But the not great part is that my tendons and ligaments tend to be too loose. And so that leaves me open for injury. And I've had some pretty, you know, like my rotator cuff is torn and other things. And that was more from stretching um, than doing anything, you know, major. But yeah, we've all fallen. We've fallen on our heads. Um, sometimes people break things sometimes, you know, but wrists tend to be a lot, um, sometimes hips. So yeah, I mean, injury is pretty common. Um, you just, the more you do it, the more you learn kind of how to fall, um, how to protect yourself from falling, you know, that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, it's, it's real. That's something, you know, playing football and I, I know I said that already, the, um, learning how to fall i'm surprised yeah. that we never learned that in football or basketball which is you know as many times as we do fall. i remember there was one team that brought in a stunt guy to teach the players on how to fall which i'm like that's brilliant because i mean after every play you're on the ground uh so it seems preposterous that people haven't learned and and this just seems like as you get older this is something that everybody should learn how to do like everybody should take a stunt class and learn how to fall because it's at some point in our life, we all do. And I mean, and not just physically, but also emotionally, you know, <laughs> just mentally, how do you handle falling? It's so true. I was watching, um, I know this is, show has been around forever, but I was watching band of brothers with my husband and I kept being struck by the fact that when they jumped out of the planes, they were all taught to roll not hit the feet with their ground, not really, not hit the ground with their feet. And I was like, oh my God, somebody, that's part of their training is learning how to fall from this high height so they didn't get hurt. And I was thinking, what a cool life skill. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so true. And also how to be disappointed, you know, coping skills, uh, problem solving skills, because we all get disappointed. And the tendency is to put up walls or not trust people or not try or isolate yourself. And um, disappointment is, it's just a reality. It's not fun, but it is a reality. So you're absolutely right. Oh my God. I just added Band of Brothers to my queue because I love a good war movie. Um, but, uh, and, but I also love that, you know, I never thought about that. Yeah. When you jump out of a plane, you do have to learn how to, you know, roll. And I, I wonder if that's where the whole just roll with it came from of like jumping out of a plane and, and just roll with it. Cause we have so many things that came from the military and we have no idea. Yeah, that, that could vary. We'll, we'll have to um, investigate that. We, we will have to investigate that. <laughs> how do you roll with the, with the punches? How do, you know, when, when you're disappointed, how do you handle that? Fortunately, I have a great support group. Um, you know, like I said, my you know my husband's the first one I turn to, and and my girls. Um, 
I also, this skill that I may have talked about last time I was on, but it's worth repeating. Um, I learned how to talk to my intuition, how to dialogue with it, have a written dialogue with it. And but intuition can mean a lot of things. Um, it can mean God, it can mean spirit, it can mean mother nature, it could be, but it's whatever helps you to feel loved and supported. And so I actually literally like write down a question or my thoughts or feelings and direct it to my intuition or guides, you know, again, whatever you want to call them. Um, and I wait for feedback, just see what, see what I get. Um, and then I actually have a written conversation with them. And it literally is why I'm alive. It's why I did not commit suicide. It's why I'm healed from the eating disorder. And I felt so alone. And then I realized that we all have access to this. Um, and it's a source of unconditional love that never goes away. You know, it's kind of like, like a pet. It doesn't care what you weigh or if you've showered or if you have bad breath or whatever, it just loves you unconditionally. And we have that same force within ourselves. We just, and we're born with it, like the survival instinct, basically, you know, but we get cut off from it and we don't even realize it's there after a while. So, so that's a resource that I, you know, took with me and continue to use. I'm learning that through prayer and meditation. They say prayer is asking or talking to God and meditation is listening for the answer. And it sounds like it's, it's uh, something that you've learned to incorporate in that, you know, you write down the question or whatever you're, you're struggling with, and then you're waiting and you're listening for the answer. And I, I think that's something that I know for sure I need to, to practice more and to integrate into my, my daily uh, routine that asking for a thing, but then giving it space to, to talk, like, you know, they're, they're, they're responding to a lot of other requests out there. So, you know, to, to give it space. And this is kind of your own personal God relationship, if you will, you know, it's God within Carl Jung called it God within. Um, and I like to call it a mindfulness meditation because you're present you are, all you have to do at that moment is look at that paper and write things. You don't have to do anything else. You have to stop what you're doing to write. So for people like me who are very easily distracted, it's really helpful. It puts you in your body. It helps you ground because we get a lot of signals from our bodies all the time about things we need to do. And we just, you know, push them aside because it's inconvenient or unpleasant. Um, and you can literally do it for five minutes. It doesn't have to like, it's not formal. You don't have to have a book. Sometimes I take a napkin and write it out and throw it away. So definitely encourage it. Um, besides writing and, and listening, are there other ways that you handle disappointment? You also talked about talking to your, your friends and your family. But I, I guess more specifically, how do you approach them with uh, an emotional subject? There's so many people who don't approach and let other people know what they're going through because they don't want to be a burden or they think it might make it worse or the person might take it the wrong way. How do you open up to others? So I think the first step is choosing people who are safe and choosing people who are going to be receptive. Um, 
picking a good time. Like obviously if they're in the middle of doing something, it might not be the best time to have a conversation. So be respectful of their boundaries as well and yours. Um, the first step is you have to allow the feelings. So allow the disappointment, the sadness, the grief, the, excuse me, the shame, whatever it is, allow it and not be embarrassed about it so that you can feel it. And then that helps you be able to translate it into words because we feel things with our entire body. It's not just these words, right? So um, a lot of the time, it can be a pride thing too. Like you don't want people to see you vulnerable. Um, you don't want people to think that you can't handle something, you know, or whatever. And so I've, I've learned to be humble and just be like, I am not special. I have the same feelings everybody else has. And, um, you know, basically it's like, you know, can I talk to you about this? Or I'm having a problem. Do you have time to, you know, discuss this with me or something? And then sometimes it takes some effort to kind of translate what I'm feeling into words like I was talking about. So, um, like my husband sometimes would get impatient with me, not intentionally impatient, but I'd start to talk about something he'd feel really frustrated because he wanted to help. He wanted to fix it. You know, he wanted to like, okay, let's do this now. And I was feeling rushed to get it out. And I'd have to be like, okay, just kind of, you don't have to fix. You can just listen, give me time to kind of figure out what I'm feeling. Cause sometimes I don't even know. Right. So it's, you know, having that patience with yourself, um, trying to label your feelings if you can. Um, and also I think there are people who share too much. You know, um, and it's it's not the most appropriate thing. It's not the most useful thing. Um, you know, maybe their whole social media account is, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever the thing is. I'm not going to judge, but like it's all about not feeling good, or bad things happening, or being sick. You know, and you have to respect the fact that that is also draining. So it's a balance you know, of being able to, to share and, and, and go through that negative stuff, but also be like, people don't want to hear about that all the time. So kind of, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, as long as why you need to have a, a village so that you can kind of break up and, and share the, share the pain, share the, share the burden, right. right. Where your husband's like, Oh, this again, kind of deal. Are, are, are there things that you are more comfortable like what is what what was something be that you were like oh if I share this with my husband he would give me really good advice with that but uh but my best friend would give me great advice with this like are, are there things where you're like oh I would definitely go to my best friend for that and not my husband yeah so um there are times I you know still feel insecure about my body um you know I look at whatever body part and be like, I really don't like that. And it bothers me. And I don't even know why it bothers me, but it bugs me and whatever. And so my husband just thinks I'm beautiful all the time. And he will be honest with me, but it's basically like, he does not understand when I'm hard on my body or feel insecure or have some body dysmorphia. Right. He just, he can't relate to it. He will listen, but he's just like, I don't know what to say. 
So talking to, you know, one of my girlfriends, one of my pole friends, um, who kind of shares some of those same feelings sometimes, um, is nice because she like gets it, you know, they get it. You can talk, you can be like, I know that this is kind of ridiculous, but I kind of need to get it out of me anyway, because then it's not stuck in my body. Um, so yeah, I think you picking a good audience is also really helpful. How are they responding in a way that you would want your husband to respond? Like, what are they doing that's different? Or what are they saying that's different? How is that different? I think one thing is, you know, they actually get it. Like, my husband has no, I'm sure he doesn't think his body's perfect, but it's just like, he doesn't kind of, like, he never gets on the scale. For example, you know, stuff like that. Like if his, you know, pant sizes go up and she's like, yeah, whatever, you know, not like he doesn't care, but it's just less of a thing. And so I don't know if it's a societal thing that women tend to get more hard on themselves or their bodies or, or whatever. I think there's, you know, eating disorder stuff in both sexes. But so my friend would be like, you know what? I kind of do the same thing and I get what you're saying. And like, and I'll do the same for them. You know, they'll come up to me and be like, oh, I feel really bloated today, or I'm going to, you know, I need to lose weight or whatever, after they've looked at themselves in the mirror at pole. And I'll be like, okay, well, we're, we all get bloated. Like, it's okay. You know, you look good if you look bad, I would tell you, but it's all okay. Um, you know, I think you, you're very strong. You look great. And so I, we kind of body dysmorphia check each other a little bit. Yeah, instead of like always checking in the mirrors, I mean, that, that's something I do too. Like I'm always looking at anytime I could see my reflection in a, a puddle of water or a mirror, wherever. <laughs> so true. And actually the light in the studios, are it's dark, so you'd think it would flatter your body, but it's like fluorescent and weird and comes from all different directions. <laughs> so it's literally so awful that like, and, and everybody feels that way. I don't care what you weigh or how big or little you are. We're all like, oh, dear Lord, you could see like one little centimeter of cellulite from 10 miles away because it's like so bad, you know? So it, it's also good because you're looking at yourself in not great light and you still have to kind of find a way to love yourself and accept yourself too. You know, it's interesting that I find myself judging myself in the mirror all the time. You know, I have this expect, I always expect to see myself when I was 21 and I'm 47. Um, it, 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 it doesn't work out too well. Um, but I, but I, what I do notice is that the longer I look at myself and actually observe and take myself in versus just checking myself in the mirror for that brief second, when I, when I, the shorter, when I'm, when I'm checking myself in the mirror, I'm judging, I'm looking to see, I'm looking for flaws. I'm looking for, uh, you know, extra flab hair or bloat there. But when I actually just stand there and I observe my body and I take it in, then I find myself having much more compassionate thoughts, but it, it takes a while and it's not easy to just stand and look at your body and just notice it and it's without judgment your face as we get older right mm -hmm. same thing you know and i know 
are the things that you notice that you find to be flaws, if you were to bring them up to somebody else, would they notice it or feel like there was something wrong with you? Right. And then we often will bring it up. And then now that person is looking at it and that's all they can see. But they didn't see that before. Or they don't notice it at all. No. Right. It's something in our own heads, you know, that that we think is a big deal. And um, and it's not like especially as you get older, you might notice a line or something that, you know, maybe wasn't there a year ago. And people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So. Now, do you think that stem from because I, I would imagine being athletic, having a, a strong body and, and you said like it, it, it was um, natural in a sense, not that you don't have to work at it, but, you know, your body can become defined and, and uh, quite quickly. Do, do you think the messages you received about your body early on uh, kind of fed that where other people noticed that? And so you start to take pride in that and was like, okay, this is who I am. Early on, I did not see that as a positive. I just saw myself getting bigger. So I wanted to be like people that I saw who were very, very thin. And I was not able to recognize the muscular strength as something positive. Because to me, it was just big. Um, as I get older, it's been... Um, there's times when I can look and say, I know that's muscle, but I just feel bigger, especially like arms. You know, if your arms are just down and they're very muscular, they just kind of look big. They don't, people don't really realize or You don't really realize that there's a lot of muscle there. So um, I still have to be like, okay, you're muscular, you're strong, and you need to be this way to do this sport that you love so much. So suck it up, Katie. You're not a stick figure, you know? Um, and being around other people who also are strong, who have muscle, who validate that, and including my husband, it's like that too, you know, um, that has been really helpful to be able to love and accept my body the way it is. Um, and, and I love being physically strong. It helps you be emotionally stronger. Um, I don't have to ask people, you know, to lift a bag of mulch at, Home Depot or something, I could do it myself. Um, you know, so there's a lot to be said for that. And just even feeling safer, like, you know, if I were, I don't know, whatever, but it just, I know that I could put up a pretty good fight if anything ever were to happen. You know, so I think there's a lot, lot to be said for that. It's so fascinating that you feel safe in your body, right? Uh, but but then looking at it from the outward, you're like, yeah, but those, you know, <laughs> right, you just got that kind of internal dialogue going on. Um, was there was there someone that you looked up to as a, as a child? Because I would imagine part of that would be there weren't a lot of female role models for you to look up to with that build, right? Every actress back then especially was just very thin and wispy and only now are we starting to see you know michelle obama with the arms out or you know where like female fitness celebrities are are now strong it's so true and i like i always watched gymnastics i just always really liked it as a sport and was really 
impressed by the strength of those athletes, male and female. Um, but even now, it kind of blows me away because the gymnasts of the 80s or 90s look very different from the gymnasts now. Like their legs are just huge. I mean, it's all muscle, you know, they just like that. And that's the way they have to be for their sport because they do these things that are just superhuman, you know? So I think that for a little girl or, or anyone basically, um, you know, watching these athletes and seeing that they take up space, that's a good thing. You don't have to, you can't be a tiny little thing. Um, and that's really great. So yeah, I, I love that line. Take up space. Yeah. Right. You know, put both those elbows on the table. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Are you uh, has it changed how you eat, what, how you fuel your body doing pole dancing? Yes, um, I was always a pretty healthy eater. Um, having come from, you know, the eating disorder sort of thing, I didn't care that much about food. It became semi-unimportant even though I like to eat you know like a normal person um but yeah I definitely eat more protein um I have to sometimes eat more and sometimes I have to eat when I'm not particularly hungry because like we have classes at night and so, and also on the weekends but we have classes at night so I'm not always you know wanting to eat a lot before class because then you feel nauseous but at the same time you have to eat something to have energy so you don't fall and kill yourself um so there's been a little bit more of like okay i'm not particularly hungry but how do i need to fuel um that kind of thing and maybe smaller meals and maybe bringing like snacks with you or or stuff like that so um and being hydrated and also like being aware of um nutrients um, you know, stuff like that, that can help with muscle and, um, and endurance and, and those kind of things. I, I love it. Uh, Katie, this is, this is so, uh, enlightening and I'm glad we're able to expand on what we discussed before. Is there any part of your journey right now that you think would be of value to, to listeners? Um, I think so much of it would, and it's not cause I'm special. It's cause I've just been through a lot of crap. Um, but I think the fact that I'm 58, I've done so much work and so much growing um, that I'm still doing it and that sometimes life is still scary. And that, you know, before I start a reading, even though I've done billions of these, I'm always a little nervous because I care, you know, and I want to do a good job. So um, I think a little bit of anxiety is, is not a bad thing. Um, and to listen to it and just to like give yourself a break and know that there's no perfection. You don't have to compare yourself to other people except to know that we are all human and all have challenges and strengths. If someone wants to work with you, uh, what, who, what kind of uh, client would that be? Anybody, anybody. literally, literally well, anybody. I have people who are really sick. Um, I have people who, just have, not, not just, but who have emotional issues, um, people who have emotional and physical, I people who want to learn more about their intuition, um, relationship issues, career. I mean, it really is any, literally any kind of person. Um, it's very individualized. You know, I meet them where they're at. 
um, and any any age. Um, yeah, it's really fun, and it's kind of the fun of combining being a medical and spiritual intuitive with also being a licensed counselor. I love it. Penultimate question: I imagine as someone listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Katie? That you don't know what is going to happen in the next minute. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what your life is going to become. And I would share my story about the fact that I had given up. I was ready. I had a plan. And I can't even explain exactly what stopped me, but I'm so glad that I didn't go through with it. Um, and that never to give up. There is always some sort of help out there. Even if it's somebody you don't know, you know, um, to just not give up yet. You can always give up tomorrow, but give it a day. See what happens. I love that. Don't give up yet. Um, last question. What are you looking forward to in the next 24 hours? Um, <laughs> whole class tonight. <laughs> there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Right. And my pumpkin ravioli from Trader Joe's. Oh, it's so funny. I was just reading something about why people love Trader Joe's. It, it's just, it's like they have everything. And it's, it's it, it is just a pleasant place to shop. I just love being in there. It really is. And this is even gluten-free pumpkin ravioli. So Wow. There it is. Uh, well, uh, yeah, you're already ready. I mean, what is this? Uh, oh, yeah, we're almost in October, aren't we? Are you a big horror movie fan? Are you are you into Halloween and dressing up? Okay. No, I hate horror movies. They've always terrified me. Um, I'm I really don't even like dressing up. I my favorite costume ever was I went as a diaphragm. True story. <laughs> I'll have to find the picture. But I I dressed in all flesh and I got a hula hoop and I covered it with like shiny flesh colored material. And I wrote Orthonova on it and I made a giant sperm out of cotton. Wow. <laughs> I I love people who make their own costumes. I aspire to do that one day. Be a diaphragm? They're <laughs> 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 like, what message is he sending out there? That's strange. Yeah, I, I would be like, I don't know how to frame that. Uh, Katie, it's been a joy to have you. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute. We're calling the 988 or any of the 800 numbers. You can chat, talk, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you.